Justin Ariel Bailey said, Indeed, the practices of Christian spirituality, which we often treat as many accomplishments, are meant to undo our fixation on accomplishment. They are meant to remind us how to live by grace rather than by performance. Today we are praying about what we pursue and how we pursue it. Welcome, I'm Michelle Berkey, and this is Praying Scripture, a weekday broadcast where we use God's own words to honor Him and to talk to Him about the things going on in our life and in our world. We're in episode 212 today, and we are praying about pursuing success. But before we do that, let's talk a little bit about life and about prayer. Last week, I mentioned that we have a new puppy in our house, and he is not sleeping right now. So if you hear him bark in the background, he's a little bit harder to control that than it is with my um, older um, <laughs> my older dog that is uh, <laughs> more likely to snore on camera than bark, but Today's personal update isn't about the puppies. It's It relates to our theme, our topic, more than normal. We took a trip to Indiana last week, Our my family, my husband and my son, which was why there was no broadcast last week. Mm. At the normal broadcast time, we were knee-deep in going through the things that my ex-husband left here with us when he died. Now, what I'm about to say is in absolutely no way meant as judgmental. It was just a real vivid reminder for me about my own habits. And we spent last Monday working our way through two storage units, opening every box, looking at all the things. And I don't mean regular, normal storage units. These were 35 feet deep, the kind you store an RV in. And they both had vehicles in them when he was alive. So they weren't full. But there was a lot of stuff. We had rented a moving truck and we were loading it with the things that my son wanted to keep. We spent all day going through what had been collected, what at some point was considered a value in someone else's life. It was hot work, it was sweaty work, and at times it was really weird, at times it was uncomfortable. We brought home some things that we were expecting to bring home, table saw and some shelving units and a drill press, some things like that. And we found some things that we weren't expecting along the way. But the vast majority of things that we looked at, that we examined, we left in those storage units until we sell them to an auctioneer. So now that we're home and we are working our way through absorbing those things that we brought back in that truck into our own household, and I'm looking around at my stuff, at all of the, quote, stuff that I have collected in my lifetime and considered valuable enough to take up residence with me. And I'm wondering what kind of story these things would tell if someone else were to go through it. What are the things that you keep? What are the things that you have collected? What is their significance? Is it eternal or temporary? That's what I've been thinking about this week. So... Let's get into the prayer part. So my husband and I used to produce a themed box. We would we sold this themed box that included some really great small batch roasted coffee and some things that helped a person start their day off by engaging their heart and their mind and their body. And each box was themed. There was 31 questions within the box that were included to help someone process that theme to get them thinking. 
We would also talk about the answer to those questions every morning in a clubhouse room. It was not a faith-based box, though that might actually be a great way to revive it someday, quiet time in a box, but I'm, but that's totally not where I wanted to go with this. One of the months we did a theme called Seasons, and we explored the effect of the physical seasons that, ha- that the physical seasons have on our lives, spring, summer, fall, winter, but we also talked about the metaphor of the seasons of our lives. And I want you to think about that idea as it relates to prayer. Our lives change over time, depending on where we are in a, in a family life cycle, for instance, or in a career life cycle, and in a whole bunch of other factors that relate to how we're living this journey. Our relationships go through seasons as well. And maybe some of the reasons for those seasons are out of our control. They might be external circumstances. Someone might move. Someone might be ill. Someone might have less ability to, to interact with you. But many of those circumstances that, that create those seasons in relationships are within our control. They might be things like how much time we're investing, how much effort we're investing, how attentive we are, the communication level within the relationship. Not only are we communicating consistently and regularly, but are we authentic in that communication? Are we telling truth in that communication? Are we speaking with love? Are we doing all the healthy things in the communication? So think about how this idea applies to your prayer life, your relationship with God. It's not static over time either. You should ideally as with any long-term committed relationship, grow closer, more intimate with God over time, more knowing within that relationship. But that takes effort over time as well. And prayer is a big part of that effort as communication with a spouse or a friend or a loved one feeds intimacy over time. So prayer feeds a relationship with God. It's also a barometer of how intimate that relationship is. Your communication with your spouse tells a story about your relationship. So does our communication with God. So does our prayer life tell a story about our level of intimacy with our Savior. Another way to think about the seasons metaphor is that life changes. Your season of life changes. You grow. Your life circumstances change. So what your relationship with God looks like now or what it looked like when your plumb line was set may change. We should expect it to change, to evolve. Okay, so I just used uh, something that you may not know what it is. Do you know what a plumb line is? It's used in construction or decorating to mark a straight vertical line. So it's a weight at the end of a string. So you hold the non-weighted end of the string up, the weight draws the string down straight with gravity and you have a straight line. We often develop this mental plumb line, this thing that we compare everything else to. This is straight. This is what it should be. How our relationships, quote, should be. What my prayer life, quote, should be. The thing that we compare where we are now to where we should be. That's our plumb line. I would encourage you to recognize that things change. Life is a constant process of evolving. That plumb line isn't going to be as applicable in every season of life that may need to shift. All of our relationships go through that, including God. Your prayer life at 50 may not look like what it looked like at 30 because of circumstances, because of growth. It might not look the way it did last month. And that's not only okay, 
It's to be expected. We should expect change. But also realize that throughout those seasons, you control much about how your relationships grow or don't grow. Your prayer life is not only a pathway to intimacy with God, it's an indicator of the health of that relationship. So how would you describe the season that you're in? And what can you do in this season to grow your intimacy with God? Uh, Now we're going to get to the prayer part, which is the good stuff. In light of that question that I asked earlier about eternal versus temporary, today we're going to worship God for His eternal nature. And we have Psalm 90, 1 through 4. Psalm 90, verses 1 through 4, and it says this, Lord, you have been our refuge in every generation. Before the mountains were born, before you gave birth to the earth and the world, from eternity to eternity, you are God. You return mankind to the dust, saying, Return, descendants of Adam. For in your sight a thousand years are like yesterday that passes by, like a few hours of the night. So let's pray. Father, we recognize today that these things that we know, these human things, are temporary. They pass by so quickly. But you are eternal. From eternity to eternity, since before what we think of as time to after what we think of time as long gone, you exist. You are God. Before the mountains were born, before you gave birth to the earth and the world, you are God. When everything on this amazing place that you created has been destroyed for thousands and tens of thousands of years, you are God. Our time is brief, our things are temporary, but you are eternal. Turn our eyes towards that truth this morning as we recognize that fact before we start, as we worship you for being so different (laughs) in that regard than us. You are permanent and we are not. From eternity to eternity, you are God. I worship you this morning for that fact. As we step into this uh, prayer time more deeply, I pray that you would guide my thoughts and my words, that your spirit would open these verses to us in ways that we are (laughs) maybe not expecting, but the ways that we need to hear from you. Pray that you would answer these things, these requests that we have. I pray that you would move mountains where they need to be moved, that you would shift perspectives where they need to be shifted, and that you would be honored by the way we not only show up here today, but the way we show up in the world. In Jesus' name. Amen. All right. The quote that I had at the beginning of this broadcast was by Justin Ariel Bailey, and it is much longer than I initially read. I want to finish it out for you here in this section. It's long, so bear with me. I'll read the beginning of it and then keep going. It says, Indeed, the practices of Christian spirituality, which we often treat as many accomplishments, are meant to undo our fixation on accomplishment. They are meant to remind us how to live by grace, rather than by performance. There is, of course, so much good work that we are set free to do. Ephesians tells us that we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God has prepared in advance for us to do. But our work is always preceded by a participation in God's grace. It is always grounded in the recognition that everything we have is God's gift. For it is by grace that you have been saved through faith, and is from yourselves it is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. As Dallas Willard used to say, grace is not opposed to effort, grace is opposed to earning. There's a world of difference between a life that seeks ever to respond to the love of Christ, and a life that seeks to earn our significance through achievement. 
There's a world of difference between a life that seeks to fill our inner emptiness through professional accomplishments and a life that proceeds as if the benediction has already been given, end quote. So we're going to use one of the verses mentioned there, one of the passages mentioned there, Ephesians 2, 8 through 10, to recognize that grace comes first and God has specific things planned for us and we need to be pursuing those things. All right, so Ephesians 2, 8 through 10 says, For you are saved by grace through faith, and this is not from yourselves. It is God's gift, not from works, so that no one can boast. For we are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared ahead of time for us to do. Let's pray. Father, we acknowledge that we are saved by grace, not from anything that we do, not from anything we try to earn, But simply by grace, this is your gift so that we can't say that we did it. There's no possible way to earn the gift of grace. Simply, you have given it to us. First, thank you for that gift so very much. We so, I can't even begin to express And this is what our life should be about, trying to figure out how to express that gratitude. You created good works for us ahead of time. There are things that you have for us in this life that you want us to accomplish. You've designed each of us specifically in order to do those good works. You have created our circumstances. You have moved things around and ordained conversations and details of our lives so that we can accomplish these things for your glory. Help us to pursue those things. Help us to seek that understanding of what those things are and live in a way that pursues those. Our culture is so drenched in the value that success is the goal of life, that we make so many decisions on what we're going to pursue and how we're going to pursue it based on that goal without even realizing it. Our aim is to succeed in all of the measures of success that our culture throws at us. And sometimes those are um, (laughs) subcultures. Sometimes that is what our church says we should be doing. Sometimes that is what uh, the group of people, our friend group says we should be doing. Drenched in the idea of success, performance. But you are a revolutionary You don't care about human success. You might grant human success, but that's not the goal. What we should be pursuing is God, not goals. So as we think about that and what we pursue, help us to be pursuing these things which God prepared ahead of time for me to do. Help me seek them, pursue them. Amen. All right, I have another quote for you. This one's by Michael Spencer. And it says, success as an idol and doing good as a virtue are not the same thing. There's nothing wrong with success. There is something wrong with success as an idol that is replacing the person and truth of Christ with being a, quote, winner in our subcultures. So we talked last week about how we measure our lives. And today, as we finish up this series, Let's ask one more time with the knowledge that we have now over the focus that we've had for the last month. Let's ask for forgiveness for pursuing the wrong things and for our pursuit of God's version of success to be God honoring 
to be relentless and revolutionary in the world around us, for it to transform our goals, our outlook, our schedules, and our spending. Philippians 3, 10 through 14 is the passage that we're going to use. And this is Paul speaking to the Philippian church. And the hymn that the first sentence refers to is Christ. So Paul says, My goal is to know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings, being conformed to his death, assuming that I will somehow reach the resurrection from among the dead. Not that I have already reached the goal or am already perfect, But I make every effort to take hold of it because I have been taken hold of by Christ Jesus. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself to have taken hold of it. But one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and reaching forward to what is ahead, I pursue as my goal the prize promised by Christ's heavenly call in Christ Jesus. Let's pray. Father, let our goal (laughs) in life not be success in the way the world thinks about it. For all the ways that we have pursued that success at the expense of our relationship with you, at the expense of leaning into you, of depending on you, of abiding in you, of growing in you, of all the ways that we have pursued success in life instead of success in our relationship, the way you define it, forgive us. And I'm not speaking kind of in general terms. Forgive me for pursuing success when I should be pursuing you. I am happy if you grant me success in life in the way that our culture defines it. I'll even ask for it. Grant me success so that I can glorify you. What I do with that success, what that looks like, if you grant that to me, should be very different than what it looks like to the world. If there are ways, and I know there are, so if isn't even part of this conversation, there are ways where I have been so saturated in the value of success of my culture, as that's the thing that we live for, that I have sinned against you and I ask for your forgiveness on the part of those listening and praying with me, whether live or in the replay, I ask for your forgiveness. I ask for you to help us to walk in repentance for that. Make my goal to know Christ and the power of his resurrection, to be conformed to his likeness. And by doing that, by pursuing that, teach me each step of the way how to pursue that and let that transform how I spend my time. Let it change how I spend my money, how I think about my free time and rest, how I think about my work and my career. Let my pursuit of you transform all of those things. Certainly, I am nowhere near perfect. Certainly, Paul, I'm sure, was far much, much farther down that race than I am. But you have taken hold of my heart, of my life. Help me respond by giving every effort to take hold of this pursuit of the likeness of Christ. Help me forget what is behind. Help me not only forget what I have done, if it's holding me back, but help me forget the things that culture has taught me. Teach me new. Transform my mind. 
by knowing Christ. Help me forget what is behind. Help me to reach forward to what is ahead. Teach me the steps of pursuing you in each of those areas of my life. Change my goals. Transform my world in a way that I am constantly seeking after you and a life of love. Then the kind of success that the culture says is the thing to pursue. Instead, let me pursue your heavenly calling, Christ. Change how I walk forward from this moment. Cause me to constantly question when I set a goal, whether that's just what am I doing for dinner tonight? How am I feeding my family? Those things that I am chasing. How can I do those with love? How can I do this and deepen my intimacy with you? How can I do these things abiding in Christ? Instead of how can I do these things to earn significance in the world. I know that there are going to be continue to be things that you show me over time about how that's changing, about how I'm drenched in this definition of success that the world has given. Help me to see them. Help me to look for them. Help me to listen. Help me to obey. Help me to run the race well. As Paul then said to Timothy later, I have run the race. I have finished. Help me to do that well. Help me to stick to the path to pursue the things that you want me to pursue. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you so much for joining me today. I so appreciate you being here if you're watching on the broadcast. Uh, now that I'm kind of back and, and we've, <laughs> I haven't completely forgot that my fancy stuff wasn't working, we'll try to get back to the fancy stuff next week. Uh, but we will be back next week and we will be on a new topic if you're a podcast listener, oh, so that'll be next Monday at 10 a.m. Central Time. If you're a podcast listener and you're joining us in that format, thank you also for being here with us. I so appreciate uh, the listening that you do. You are all listeners on Facebook or podcast version. Um, you are free to contact me with questions or with uh, requests for upcoming themes or questions about prayer that you want answered in the about prayer section. And you can find me at hello at graceandthegravelroad.com. Hello at graceandthegravelroad.com. We are brought to you by Grace and the Gravel Road. And my heart is, as we do this, that we would both lean into intimacy with God further through His Word, through praying His Word. Grow us in that, God. Um, grow our prayer lives. But it's more important for me that you grow our intimacy with you. So I want us to fall deeper in love with the God who gave us the words that we pray. Amen. 